What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 139 of the Lynch with Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders, find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, happy Memorial Day. If you've tuned in on Monday when this episode released, it is Memorial Day, and what a day to look back, to remember, to thank the Lord for those that have come before us and the sacrifices they have made on our behalf. So we have the freedom here in this country, here in America, that you and I all have to pursue leadership, to pursue life and to really make a difference. You know, it's been a tough a tough week for uh, many people this past week. We watched the news as the news rang in with what was going on in Texas at that elementary school, and you're just so reminded of what really matters. And what really matters at the end of the day are people. People, lives, friends, those are the things that matter, not our name on the, the CEO uh, letterhead, not our name because we get to be in the corner office, people know who we are, but because of the people that God brings into our lives and he connects us with, that is why we do what we do. And I hope that somehow this podcast encourages you. I know we got this in NS30144. Was so kind to leave this review on iTunes last week. Listening to Mike's podcast has been such a blessing to me. As I drive to work in downtown Atlanta, I'm learning and growing and listening to these amazing guest leaders. Every episode is a learning experience as a Christian woman, as a per professional human resource manager in corporate America. So many life nuggets. Thank you, NS30144. That means the world that you tuned in. Well, today we are going to expand that thought of how to be a connected leader. Today we get to sit down with a great leader, Miss Karen Hardwick. Karen has written a new book called The Connected Leader, Seven Strategies to Empower Your True Self and Inspire Others. And Karen's been doing that her whole life. She loves leaders and she loves to help leaders learn how to be better connected. Her statement, we cannot connect to or lead others until we connect to and lead ourselves, is so true. And I think you are going to really resonate with what Karen shares today. You're talking about nuggets. This one is full of nuggets. So I don't know where you're listening from. I don't know what you're listening on, but I hope you've got something to write with. So I want you to pull up a chair. And I want you to listen in to my time with Miss Karen Hardwick. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is a joy and an honor to have you. 
Mike, it is my privilege. I was so looking forward to this conversation. So thank you for having me. Well, you were recommended to me by somebody I believe in so much, Molly Fletcher. And I think you have the same feeling. What's it like when you meet a leader like Molly? What, what, What makes her so special as a leader? That's a great question, Mike. And I'm going to use Molly as an example um, because I'm holding her in my heart as I think about your question. Authenticity. Mm, mm. Humility. A sense of we are in this together. You know, there's not a conversation that I have with Molly where she doesn't say, what can I do for you, girl? Mm, mm. So it's lovely when you have that that mutual reciprocity and you really feel like you're connected in a way that's mutually lifting each other up. Mm, That's really good. You know, that goes right into your newest work, Connected Leader. But before you wrote the book, this story began in your heart. A long time ago. In fact, I know Andy Stanley said visions born in the soul of a man or woman who's consumed with the tension between what is and what could be. You have this passion to see connected leaders, but a lot of it began out of wounds and hurts when you were 10. So talk, talk to our listeners a little bit about that, of how God, even in hard times began doing this work in your life? Well, thank you for that, Mike. Um, Our hardest times, and I've learned this very upfront and personally, our hardest times can be so filled with gifts. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult for children to certainly keep that in mind as they're going through difficult times. And I want to hold that out that our children are resilient Mm. and capable of feeling grace, even as they walk through some pretty traumatic times. So I was a 10 year old who was placed in the role of an adult because my mother was dying and She was the only adult in the household really capable of functioning as an adult. And when she became very um, terrified about dying, I stepped up as a 10-year-old and really focused on taking care of her and my younger siblings and running the household. And so who at the age of 10 wants to be an adult? I didn't. And yet I said yes, because there was no other choice. Mm. So, you know, before we got on the show, you were praying and you were talking about how we are hardwired and how that's a gift. I am hardwired to be empathetic Mm. and to be a caregiver, which is a gift of tremendous proportion until it's not. So true. Right. And I think that's true for all of our gifts. So as I was going through this trauma of my mother, my beloved person, my person dying, it tapped into all of my empathy and all of my caregiving. And what happened, though, is that no one tapped me on the shoulder and said, you have to give this empathy also to yourself. So I didn't learn that until many, many, many moons later. 
the importance of radical self-care, that God calls us into radical self-care. We leapfrog over something that Jesus said. Jesus said, <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. And we leapfrog over that so many times, right, Mike? Because we've, we're so focused on giving and serving and pouring ourselves into other people. But we can only do that in grace-filled ways when we first learn to give it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the wounds of my childhood actually became a great gift as I started to unpack them and heal from them. And it's an ongoing process to continually bring myself back to empathy must start at home with myself. You, you, you said it early in the book, you said it's really more, this book is more of a quality of life and self-discovery book than a leadership book. And, and I want to dive in on that a little bit and press in. Why is it so important that a leader know themselves, that they know? And you talk a lot about Enneagram, um, you know, and what your Enneagram is, how you were put together. Why is that so critical that a leader gets that? I think that's the question of our time right now, Mike. I believe having a front row seat to working with global leaders, that the best leaders are those who are not just self-aware, but those leaders who are able to take that self-awareness and put it into action. So in other words, there's a lot of human beings who can list their strengths and their so-called weaknesses. It's more of a cognitive exercise. It's an intellectual practice. It's a spreadsheet. Those leaders who move from self-awareness to what I call self-discovery yeah. are those who have the courage and the humility to say, I need help. I have some flaws. I've made some mistakes, and it's not enough to know about them intellectually. I have to move them into my soul and my heart so I can make the changes that I need to make. And that is really hard work. Mm. It's not for the faint hearted. And so I believe that we cannot connect to or lead others with inspiration and energy until we connect to and lead ourselves with honesty. Mm. You know, inherent in every leader's life is to focus on others, as you talked about a few minutes ago, and to move forward. But I found throughout the book, so much of leadership really begins by slowing down. So talk, talk to us a little bit about the power of stillness, the power of quiet, and the power of slowing up long enough to find self-discovery. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we live in a run faster, get more, um, hustle relentlessly kind of a world, right? We're hustling for approval. We're hustling for worth. We're seeking, seeking, seeking. And I think that that's one of the things that fuels all the addiction and the depression and the anxiety in this world, not to at all take away from the fact that we're talking about neurobiological chemical structuring, 
yes, the science is the science for addiction and depression and anxiety. And yet we live in a world that fuels that because in so many ways we're told that the solution is outside of us. So in the 12-step community, we say there's no such thing as an outside solution to an inside problem. And it's the insides where it's when we turn to our insides, Mike, I'm sure you've seen this in your life and with your church members. It's when we turn inside that we find God. And so I, I talk about in the book, the power of chasing slow, which for me is really weightlifting for the soul. It's about having a daily practice you know i don't know about you but sometimes i need it more than just daily it's not a one one time in the morning and one time in the evening i need chasing slow all yep. day long to remind myself this is not about me as much as i might want to make it about me sometimes i am here to shine a light on god's presence as much as i possibly can and in order to do that humbly and with an open heart, whether it's at work or at home, I have to chase slow. I have mm. to have practices that allow me to hear the still small whisper of God. So just yesterday, I was talking to a friend about a decision I had to make, and I knew what decision I needed to make, but I didn't want to make it. It was counterintuitive to me, and it was a parenting decision. And it was going to require me to do something that I'm not wired to do. I'm a, I was uncomfortable with it. And so my dear friend said, listen for God's voice today. So, Mike, I went to my chiropractor. And literally out of the clear blue sky, he said to me, I want to tell you. And he actually encouraged me to do the very thing I didn't want to do. I mean, wow. literally out of the clear blue sky, he said, I was thinking about this and I believe you need to fill in the blank. Mm. And I said, there's God's voice. Wow. Now, how many times though, do we not listen, That's not right. pay attention or we're just so running quickly that we don't even hear it. So I think the more we chase slow and the more we have practices that allow us to tap in to our intuition, which I believe is the spirit, the more we're capable of hearing God's voice and then sharing that with others. Mm. You know, it's so interesting. You think about, uh, we have a common faith um, in the Lord. You think about Jesus had a lot to accomplish in three years, but yet he did that really well, didn't he? He, <laughs> he, he spent, and we look at it and go, well, of course, man, he was the son of God, but, but yet he built these practices in so well when you look at you look at it through a different lens, when you look at the life of Christ and what all he did, why did he portray so well for us how to live a connected leader life? What would you say? I think Jesus is the ultimate connector. 
And as I was thinking about this conversation with you last night, I was taking a look at the concept of connection and I was looking at the pillars I talk about in my book and I'm like, dang, Jesus was the epitome of each of these. Connecting consciously, listening deeply, exhibiting empathy with boundaries. I mean, Mm. Jesus was a pretty boundaried dude. It's not like anything went. It's not like he had the kind of um, empathy for people that allowed them to stay stuck. He was always encouraging people to grow beyond what was keeping them stuck and in damaging situations. Uh, You know, Jesus is the epitome of someone who was connected to his true self. Mm. And I think one of the ways he kept that going was all the times he withdrew, mm -hmm, right? He withdrew from the crowd, from his closest, and found a way to tap into renewing himself. And I would say that probably the Gospels don't talk about that as much as it was really happening. I would imagine Jesus withdrew a great deal to renew himself. He had to have. You know, in the battle he must have felt, and I think the battle every leader fights, and you talk about early when we were diving into those points, you talk about being emotionally, spiritually, and mentally healthy. It's not just one of the three. It's all three. Why do we need all three of those things in place to be the leaders that God created us to be? Hmm, That's a great question. They synergistically work together. And I think if, now that doesn't mean, and, and when you and I talk about this, Mike, we know this is not about perfection, right? That's correct. That is correct. This is not about perfection. This is about connection. It's about reflection. Mm. Um, it's about progress, not perfection. That's right. So I, <laughs> because I'm telling you, even on the best days, uh, I'm falling short by major, mm. major inches. Um, and I think in order for us to show up relationally honest, we have to have a sense of what we're feeling emotionally, what we're thinking, that's the mental part, and how we're connecting to the grace of God, that's the spiritual part. And then we can embody, we can feel it actually in our body when everything comes together, we're relaxed. Even in difficult situations, we know we're standing on holy ground. Mm. doesn't make it easy. It can just make us feel like we're held. And so those pieces work together like the ingredients of a recipe. Mm. We don't have one of those ingredients. We're a little off. It's a great way to say that. I really never thought about it that way. And, and you're right. It's not a perfection thing. It's almost the, the old John Maxwell principle. We're failing forward. We're, <laughs> we're striving, but we may not always get there. I love one of the chapters you talked about, um, you know, this leader that listens deeply. 
you know, a connected leader listens deeply to be heard, understood, and seen. Why is it a longing in all of us, no matter positionally where we get to, that we want to be heard, understood, and seen? Why is that rest in the soul of every person ever created? And you expect me to answer that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Give Give it a swing. Give it a swing. Well, let's talk about it, because I don't think I really have the answer to that. It is a great question. We are wired to connect. Mm. And most of us have to learn how to do that in healthy ways. So there's many of us human beings, complex that we are, that are connecting in unhealthy ways. Yeah. Right? Um, Because we confuse somebody paying attention to us, even if they don't treat us well, as connection. And I'd rather have that than be alone. Mm. Or I'd rather work for this boss who really doesn't respect me instead of understanding, hey, you know, maybe I can find something that feeds my spirit more, but that's scary. So a lot of us stick in situations that are not good for us because it serves as some kind of a connection. And I'm, I'm venture to say it's disconnection, but it still passes as a kind of a connection. I think we learn, we long to be seen because it's the spiritual thirst inside of us to be known. You know, you never think about listening as leading, but the greatest leaders always listen. But I love how you said it. They listen deeply. It's more than just they listen. A a leader that listens deeply, what makes it more than just the happen chance, I heard what somebody in my group said, or somebody on my team said this, a leader that listens deeply does what differently than another leader? What would you say? Well, first of all, Mike, I think you're, you're role modeling this right now. You read portions of the book in a way that is a version of listening deeply. Mm. And I really appreciate that because you're paying attention to the nuances of the book. And I think that is really important when we lead. In other words, listening deeply is going beyond the words that are said. That's more about hearing. And it's also more about Are you done talking? Because now I want to say what I want to say. And we're all guilty of that. And at times when the stakes are high or emotions are running high, people are less apt to talk. I mean, less apt to listen deeply because we want to defend ourselves. Right. Right. Or we want to find a solution. So again, my, the whole thread that runs through this book is about we can only do with others what we first learn to do with ourselves. Mm. 
So when we learn to listen deeply to ourselves through um, mindfulness, through meditation, through prayer, journaling, listening to God's voice, when we have those times of silence, and the Hebrew translation for the, the phrase be still is letting go. So the silences allow us to let go of our agenda, right? When we can practice that, we're more able to show up to the others in our life, whether it be in the boardroom or in the church basement or in the Sunday school classroom or on the football field or the baseball diamond, wherever we are with people, the family room, we're more able to put aside our agendas and give somebody the space to really share what they're feeling and thinking. Mm. So it's less about the words. And it's also, you know, I, I talk about listening as a prism. Yep. So it's not about reflecting back. I don't know about you, but remember all those workshops about reflective listening. Right. I hear that you're saying I, I, that, honestly, that technique is technique and it used to make my skin crawl. People don't want to, people don't want that. They want to be held. They want someone asking loving, curious questions. They want somebody hearing what they're not saying. Yeah. So listening is more like watching the light come through the prism, right? All those beautiful colors come through all the very different cuts in that glass. And all of us have the ability to do that if we choose to. Now, some, some uh, uh, Enneagram 2 is going to be more apt to do that than, than an 8, but they all have the option. They all have that option to do it. You even think, and I, I really hadn't even, I didn't even write this in my notes, but you think when Scripture says that he hears the groanings of our heart, even those prayers that we don't even have words to, God has that ability to hear them and models for us so well that, that principle. Oh, I love that, Mike. And I, I, I am, it's interesting that you say that. And there's the spirit for us. Um, there's a big prayer in my life these days where I literally am saying, I don't know what to ask for. Mm. Because I'm concerned that I might not be asking for what is really needed here. That's good. Yep. And my words are misleading. And so God Here's the situation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know, and there are no words. Mm, mm, that's good. That is so, that is so good. And that listening tied in so well to what you talked about next is that exhibiting empathy. But then you said something really interesting, but not too much. You know, it's mm -hmm. great for a leader to exhibit. You know, that being, and as you quoted it from, I believe it was C.S. Lewis, but said, in feeling with another, which I love that phrase, mm -hmm. um, is what it meant. Why did you say, but not too much? What mm -hmm. led you to challenge us to put a guardrail up in our lives in that area? So, um, if nothing else, I'm an empathy holic. <laughs> Uh, I'll raise my hand to that all day. And it goes back to something I was saying earlier in our conversation. 
empathy has to ride shotgun with boundaries. That's good. Otherwise, what's happening is our empathy starts driving the car and we can over-index on that and confuse that with, let me help you, Mm. Mm, right? Let me rescue you. Let me fix that. Hey, I've got a solution. Hey, I've got an idea. You need to do this. And we take away the integrity of the person and the dignity of the person to find their own solution. Mm. This happens in families, in intimate relationships. This happens in the boardroom. This happens in the C-suites. I've seen it happen in church meetings. It's hard for us to just sit with somebody else's uncertainty, pain, suffering, grief. So we confuse empathy with activity. Let me help you. And, and, some I of think, our great, and some of our greatest lessons are learned in those teaching times in our lives where we're almost in that, in that crucible that we don't need rescued from. We don't need anybody to get us out of. Exactly. Mm. I, I'm, I'm thinking about all my greatest lessons were in those times mm. and how grateful I, I am that I learned about the saving grace of God and my own resilience, Mm, mm. my own sense of agency. And if somebody had rescued me, it would have prevented me from finding that out. Mm. But so hard for um, managers and leaders and parents to let someone have the gift of their own mistakes or grief. The night my husband died um, almost a year ago, my dear, dear friend, who's also my sponsor, comes over with soup, of course, and she sat there with me. And for this Enneagram 2, me, to let somebody give to me was such an act of trust and safety and her empathy. And so the focus is really, the story is really on Catherine. The focus of her was to just be with me. There were no cliches. There were no trite sayings. She didn't bring the name of God in, in a way that God, this is God's plan. You know, she didn't do all those things that take away the reality of the situation. She was prayerful. She was present. She was reflecting the love of God by just being, and she Mm -hmm. was able to do that because she also has no, she knows how to show empathy to herself. She's comfortable with the uncertainty in life. And so what a great gift it is for people when we can just show up. Mm -hmm. 
That's such a good way to say that. And I, and I love how you brought that in because you talked about, you know, we can't feel that until we know ourselves and we know how we're wired. And, and I heard Rick Warren talking about the loss of his son and Rick called it the ministry of presence. And it's that, it's that being. And then you think of, of God saying that I'm near to the brokenhearted. It didn't say I'm going to go in and tell them lots of things. I'm just going to snuggle up. I'm going to sit next to them and I'm going to be, I'm going to be there till they need me. And that's a, that is a really, really fascinating way because so much of that goes unnoticed, but the great leaders have that ability to do that. And that's why there's so many, there's so few great leaders because not everybody can. Well, it's a scary place to be, right, Mike? That's right. We're more comfortable managing our own anxiety by stepping in and rescuing somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, this is so uncomfortable for me. Your grief is making me feel anxious. I've got to do something. Yeah. And I've seen this even in the corporate set in, in corporate settings or in privately held family-owned businesses. The gift that somebody is given when they're allowed to find their way through their own mistake. When the boss doesn't step in, when the CEO doesn't come in to rescue, when the president of the company doesn't call the client to say, I know that my salesperson screwed up, but here I am on a white horse to save the day. Really important. That's so good. That is so good. You also said, and I wanted to dig on this a little bit, that connected leaders celebrate curiosity. And you called it the true superpower, curiosity being the true superpower. Why would you call it that? What made you call curiosity that? And why why would that be so? Because I think I think it helps us go deeper. Mm. When we know how to ask questions that help other people open up, it's a tool to create psychologically, spiritually safe places. I'm thinking about all the times people asked me questions and it made me feel like I was on a witness stand. Mm. The questioning, right? It feels like we're under fire. And how different it is when somebody asks a question that allows us to sit with our own thinking process. And great leaders know how to do that. And I think it's also connected. One of the reasons why it's such a superpower is it's because it's connected to the other pillars I talk about. We can't really be curious unless we're also empathetic. That's right. And I don't think we can be curious unless we're also able to listen deeply. So it, 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 you know, like all the pillars, it's like a root system. It's like the Aspens. It's all connected underneath the ground to create this whole. And so curiosity allows people to feel safe. Like, tell me more. What did you mean by that? I would love to know. What do you think? Or a real magical statement is, I trust you to make a decision that makes sense. Tell me what you're thinking. 
That's really good. You know, and curiosity is built in to us as children, but it is taken from us as we grow up. I know Mark Miller from Chick-fil-A just said recently on one of our episodes, Mark said, you know, great leaders are intentional curious. They're intentionally curious. Like there is something within them. But when you become curious about not just being a better leader, but when you become curious about what makes a person tick, it is an amazing thing that, you know, you think about even Jesus leadership, how he led by asking questions. So much of what he did was led with that question. And I love that you, you wrapped up the book and we can't hit all of them because I don't want to dominate all your time, but you said a connected leader walks with confidence. Why is confidence so a part of a connected leader? What what causes them to walk in confidence? So when I talk about confidence in the book, it, it's I, I call it courage based confidence. Yep. That's good. Which is different from technical confidence. So you and I wake up every morning and we have technical confidence, Mike. We believe we're good at what we do. We trust that we have the skills, we have the experience, we've been seasoned for the most part. We really know what we're doing in our work, our Mm. jobs, right? People trust us as knowing our technical information. It's table stakes for leaders. What makes a really great leader, a connected leader, is having courage-based confidence, which is basically, I've been through hard things And I trust myself to be resilient, to do hard things, to rise up. It's having a hero's journey. And it's doing it in a way that doesn't mean I have all the answers at all. It's that I'm comfortable with the questions. And I might not know the path forward right now. Things are a little rocky. Things are rough. There's a lot of stress. But I trust myself because I know I have survived and thrived before. And so I lean in to all the spiritual practices. Mm. And when we have that kind of courage-based confidence, the people around us exhale. That's right. Don't you think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think people are looking for centered people, people that are grounded, people that know who they are. They know who they serve, that they serve something bigger. I I think we get in trouble when, when we become bigger than the person we serve. And when you meet that, as I was reading your book, I thought you did such a great job portraying just a a balanced, centered leader and somebody that's not out on their skis, but they are they are centered in who they are. You work with clients from all over the world and every from boardrooms to classrooms to podcast world, which you got a new podcast out. What do you pray? that the people that know you best, your clients that you work with, 
What do you pray they say about you as a leader? What would you say? Wow, that's a beautiful question. I pray, I'm kind of thinking this through as I talk about it, Mike. I pray that they see me as someone who is awakening and healing and growing in humble ways and in ways that reflect the love of God. Wasn't that so good? Thank you, Karen, for sharing with us on how to be a connected leader. Boy, I tell you what, you can't lead without connecting, can you? And you can't grow without connecting with others because you get better by the people that you know. And if you are a leader who's not connected to anybody else, then number one, you're probably not leading. Number two, you're probably not growing. Thank you, Karen. That was so good. And that's one that's just timeless. It doesn't matter if you're leading in 2022 or 1950 or 2050, being connected is key. And you think about the life of Jesus. Jesus had that ability to connect with people at all levels. He connected with people that were incredibly educated. He were in, was had the ability to connect with guys that were fishermen. He just connected. And I think it's one of the things that made Christ so interesting was his ability to lead by connection. So, so good. We talking about connecting. This next guy's going to connect with you. We're going to sit down with Pastor Kevin Queen. Kevin pastors the Great Cross Point Church in Nashville. He's a great husband. He's a great father. He's a great leader. He's a great prayer warrior. You are going to be refreshed by my time with Kevin Queen. So thanks again for joining us today. I don't know where you're listening from, but I pray that it's met a need for you and helped you and poured gas on your leadership fire, especially as you lead for Christ. And it is just such an honor that you took time to join. The best way to never miss an episode is to subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find Lynch with a Leader and always leave a rating and review because it does help others find their way to us. Thanks again for joining today. And I can't wait to be back with you in our next episode. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.